Live from my bedroom for week three of Stay Busy Women's History Month. It's Stay Busy with the boy, Armand Sadler. Gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Stay Busy with Armand Sather. This is the podcast, one of the best music podcasts in the world, if not the best, where we have responsible discussions on the music business and the music culture. And when we are fortunate, like we have been this month, we bring in some incredible guests to talk about what they're doing in the industry. With it being Women's History Month, we have another incredible uh, person here with us. So we're going to get into her a bit later. It's the boy Armand, vegan chorizo poppy, multiple miles Monday poppy. Uh, what else do I do? Uber driver, podcast poppy, feeling real good. The weather has been gorgeous uh, in New Jersey. I was actually able to wear my hoodie and shorts combo, which is my happy place. Um, so, you know, if we might have another snowstorm coming soon. I'm not sure. But for now, I'm reveling in this beautiful sunlight and the breeze. Co-host, executive producer, how are you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. You see the Lord shining on my shoulder right now. You hear, you see that. I'm, uh-huh. I'm super feeling super great. What's up, y'all? I'm a Nick Early, executive producer and co-host and stay busy with our Montana. Very happy to be here because we have an amazing guest who's living out where I am originally from on the West Coast. Got the shout out today. We got the NWA rocking. Um, so we're, we're, we're really happy to have her here today. Yes. So to give her a proper introduction, um, you know, in, the, in this music grind, a lot of people uh, do it on their own. And I, I, I admire those who do it on their own, you know, whether it's songwriting, uh, recording for themselves, mixing, engineering. But it truly does feel a lot gratifying when you rise up with the group, as they say, you know, popularly, it takes a village. And we have the CEO of Village Music Group with us. And she is the artist manager for Reggie Beckton. We've talked about him a bunch. Super, super talented dude. We played his track several months ago with Yaya Lee, and he's doing his thing. Um, but we have the person who's behind the scenes working alongside our guy, Edgar, who joined us for our anniversary episode. And they have a really interesting story of how they all came together. So we're very excited to have his partner in crime, but not crime, more so success and greatness. Megan Taylor Jordan here with us. How are you, Megan? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Thank you guys for having me. That was like a great introduction. I'm like, dang, is that me? You know? <laughs> that is you. That is you. <laughs> no, thank you guys so much. I'm I'm honored. I'm excited. Um, it feels great to be in a space that already is communal. You know, you guys have shown a lot of love, and we've shown a lot of love back. So I'm excited to see what we get into today. It's gonna be a very very fun day lot to talk about before we jump into all the fun we got to shout out our listeners tapping back in whether you like open mics or festivals toy story or the incredibles boiled eggs or deviled trophies or medals talk to me immediately i was thinking boiled eggs are deviled eggs well it's, well it's 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 dressed up just without I, the fixings. Without but the I fixings. dress I dress up my boiled eggs anyway. You do. Like, I, you I ain't do. gonna eat no regular boiled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like a, a deviled egg is like that that extra step, you know? It's, it's giving you your 
you you take you take the contents out and then you really doctor it like you do seasonings Mm -hmm. you have i think you add a little bit of mayonnaise a little bit of mustard you know if you really want to get crazy you can throw in some tony shoffries i'm a big fan of tony shoffries okay you you refrigerate it it's a different it's a different lane Mm -hmm. Okay, well, sound like I need to eat your devil egg. She got, she got a whole step yeah. process for her devil egg. Yes. Um, I'm definitely like, I, I think I'm an open mic person. I like open mics, I like intimate venues. Uh, and the Incredibles for me. And then trophies or medals? Trophies, definitely. Mm. Okay, okay. Got it, got it. Yeah, I would say I'm a... Festivals are tiring, man. I, I, for, for listeners who haven't attended a festival, yeah, like... Oh, tiring. You know, you look at the track list, you see all the artists, and then and then you get the schedule, and it's like, wait, Black is on at the same time as JID. Like, I want to see both of them. Like, that's that's hard. I can't be in two places at one time, and it's a long day, and like the alcohol is super expensive, the food is super expensive. But I've definitely had some great experiences at festivals. Me and Nick have gone to a couple together. I think uh, we yeah. we did Roots. Roots. Did we do another one? We Roots. Might, yeah, Roots was Roots, the one. And then we went to see her in Brooklyn Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. More concerters, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, so, I mean, if you got a festival, those uh-huh. are good festivals to do it. Right, for right, sure. Right. For sure. Roots is probably probably the one I enjoy the most. Um, I've been a Toy Story stand my whole life. Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm bored, I'll throw Toy Story 2 on. Um, I think it's so funny that Mr. Potato Head called, um, who did he, he call someone an uh, uncultured swine. I was like, yo, like when I was young and watching it, I wouldn't have understood <laughs> that joke. <laughs> but now it's like, yo, they was getting jokes off in Toy Story. Like they really were. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that I'm also a trophy person as well. Uh, and deviled eggs over boiled eggs for me personally. So word, word, you know, just you got to throw these comparisons out. So just to see what the temperature is, see how people are feeling. I want to give a couple. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, yeah. You feel me, you feel me. Um, Got to get a couple shout outs out the way. Shout out to our guest from last week, Olivia Shall Hope. She did an incredible job. We so many gems shared. Um, if you are looking to increase your brand, optimize your brand, use your social media to the fullest, definitely go back and listen to that episode. Also check out the Swaggy Seat episode that opened Stay Busy Women's History Month. Uh, I want to give a shout out personally to Needs to Know Podcast for having me this past week. Uh, really, really fun episode. We got into new music. We talked about relationships. We talked about therapy. We talked about accountability. We talked about a lot of uh, really dope things. And with the whole accountability thing, I want to thank Savon for, you know, giving us that apology on air. Uh, I didn't think it was necessary, but, uh, you know, we tried to link with them. Black History Month scheduling didn't work out. But, you know, I, I really uh, I, I really appreciate the humanity in, you know, creators and when they acknowledge that they might have you know, done something that wasn't necessarily the best. So it's all love with us and Need to Know podcast. And I thank Savon for doing that on air. Definitely meant a lot. Also want to shout out uh, Mark J.P. Hood. Put out my, inter- my interview with him this past week. If you don't don't know Mark J.P. Hood, he is an actor and singer. You might have seen him on The Voice. You might have seen him in Chicago PD and Sirens. He's backed up Kirk Franklin on tour, 2 Chains, Kelly Rowland, a uh, really super dude and a fellow brother in Christ. And we had a really good talk. So I would definitely highly suggest checking out that interview. And shout out his PR, Soraya Ross, for liaising the whole thing. We got something fun coming up next week um, that I'm going to get into a little later for y'all. And uh, one last shout out to uh, the, the A-Show RNC Network. For those who listen to my wrestling pod, Rewriter's Room, we're back. Season two is kicked off. Dropped our episode last Tuesday, so definitely check that out as well. Much love to our VP of everything, Kieran Hurley, the backbone of this podcast. The man that you cannot see, but you can feel always. Anchor, our distribution platform. If you do not know by now, 
I've told you so many times, Anchor will distribute your podcast for free to all streaming platforms, and you can get some sponsored ads regardless of your listenership. And Zoom, allowing you to see our beautiful black melanated, hydrated, independently owned businesses, uh, independently owned faces, uh, beautiful black faces. Um, we're here and we got some fun stuff to get into. I think we're about to kick this off, this chat off with uh, quite an interesting topic. So I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. So I was scrolling through the timeline and I, I saw a tweet about her and, and hers, you know, seeing her name just always triggers something in me. So I, I always try to read, you know, and kind of get people's temperature on her. This person tweeted, I don't understand why her is trying to chase a hit. Just make an album, drop it, and let the fans choose your hit. I would like to hear you all's thoughts on that before I get into it, because I, I kind of feel two different ways about it. Megan, please, was, please. Was this please. a recent tweet? It was literally this week. Like wow. post, post-damage post tweet? Yep. Yep, post-damage. Yeah, I'm confused by it. I, I mm-hmm. thoroughly, thoroughly, and I'm a huge Her fan. Mm-hmm. And I will give you that her projects have been a bit not as digestible as her first ones. You know, mm. the early phases of her was just like, there's no skips. You know, mm. and then you get into her deeper um, her deeper discography. And I'm like, okay, well, there's some things. Maybe I like what she's doing, but she's trying things out. Mm-hmm. But Damage, certified timeless record. So, I, you know, I, I think that kind of solidifies her as, okay, well, I was playing around. I was doing a little bit of different things now, but this is a lane that you should mm-hmm. get into. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's a great record. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think, I guess I understand where this tweet is coming from. What I think the perspective is, is that if you think about the way they've been pushing her, they've been pushing her very traditionally, like marketing, mm-hmm. like wise, you know, like RCA, they just know what to do with R&B. <laughs> if the, you know, very few people do, but I, it feels like they, they really are doing that. And I think they're leaning on her many skill sets to try to push her in that way, you know, the heavy instrumentation. And I would say like to your comment, Megan Taylor, like to your comment of like how um, the earlier works may resonate a little bit more. I think that truthfully she's in the place where she wants to be. Yeah. I think damage is like a happy medium between both of those. It's commercially viable record, but it's also sampling, you know, like it's, it's older sounding record. And that's just naturally where she goes. Like she is, feels like the newer Lauren, you know what I'm saying? And she's establishing herself Mm -hmm. in a new way, but um, she's leaning on that old soul as her old school stuff as her influence. And so I think that she's one of those people, I think in a a perfect case study of doing what you have to do to do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, She had to make volume one and volume two. Not that it wasn't music that connected with her or didn't resonate with her, but I think the sound of the music is somewhere that was heavily reliant upon production and other things like that. Whereas now she's relying on her abilities and musical skills to, you know, playing guitar, playing piano, doing all this sort of thing, more singer songwriter feeling R and B, which I think is more at home to her naturally. So I don't think she's trying to chase a hit, but I can see how people might perceive the way she's being pushed as trying to chase a hit because they, I, Honestly, the way they're doing it, I feel like MBK Entertainment is like trying to make her the face of R&B and like put her at, you know, the top to where we're 40, you know, she's heralded as that sort of art. They're pushing the same, you know, people, she has the same manager Alicia Keys had when she was starting out. So like the way that's being orchestrated, I can see how someone might say that, but I, I completely disagree with it. Like so far mm-hmm. as it doesn't feel, nothing about it feels manufactured. Yes. And I think that's what the tone of this tweet is kind of getting at nothing mm-hmm. to me feels about it manufactured because the song is so straight up you know so so fire so that's my thoughts on it 
Yeah, like I, I I'm more so have a problem with the first sentence. Uh, I agree with you. Like I don't, it doesn't feel like she's chasing a hit at all. Like you don't see her making TikTok challenges. You don't see her collaborating with you know the flavor of the month. Like the the only yeah. thing that might have felt like a chase was Slide, and even Slide was really good. Like the the, the remix. Uh, we've talked about how I feel about the remix but like the song itself was it was a dope bop and like it sounded like it was in her pocket it didn't feel like she was stepping outside of herself to do anything I do agree with with the second part and I think that goes for not just her but all artists like I think a lot of artists are trying to create hits and I don't think there's anything wrong with that but I think hits are determined organically you don't necessarily make a hit you promote and push a hit like and 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 the listeners determine what the hit is so you might put out one song thinking this is the one and then they listen to the album they're like nah this is the one that's really you know what we want and that's, that's the one I'm that run, runs up the streams and then you end up seeing like how popular it is and you make a video as a result so it doesn't feel like a chase at all like you know looking at her her career she's maintained being one of the top r&b acts without a traditional album at this, like, we want the album. We've wanted it for years, but she clearly doesn't necessarily need it at this point. Like, she's doing all these award shows, all these festivals, all these people really praise her and, like, hold her up in this high esteem without a traditional album. So, like, it's it's, it's crazy because, like, a lot of artists, you know, you they really get that stamp when you get that album. But hers really just got EPs and, you know, volume one, volume two that she put together. But, like, we don't have a traditional album yet, yet she's still at the place that she is. So um, I, I can't wait to see what the album's gonna be, but it, nothing about this feels like Nick said, manufactured or forced right. or chased. Like she just makes very good music and she's very versatile. And um, and I mean, she has released a lot of singles o- over the last two years, but it's, it's just felt like she's putting music out when she wants to and like damage took off more than any of those, but right. she's also got like a bunch of different features and a bunch of different genres. And it's just like, it just feels like she's collaborating with people who want to collaborate with her. Right. They, they feel organic and the music comes out pretty good. So yeah, this, uh, this tweet is, is interesting, but, but I guess for, for, from the standpoint of a consumer who is just, who's ready for the album, who wants that album is kind of impatiently waiting for That's that. That's also album. what it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like that. I, I, I got that sense immediately from it. So from that standpoint, I get it. But I think, you know, because we, we, we three and, you know, our listeners and kind of look at things a bit differently and you like, you know, we see the front end, but we think about the back end as well. And like strategy is kind of like, eh, nothing about it feels like a chase. So yeah. just wanted to kick off with that. I think that was a good warm up. Go ahead. But even to that point, and I, I looked it up real quick. So if you pay attention, I'm somebody who pays a lot of attention to packaging because I mm. think it tells you a really good story if you're paying attention. Story. And she started so her cover art is interesting i think that she's preparing us for a project i don't know if it's an album or if it's an ep or what have you but a lot of the art that she's used has a lot of the same themes the same type of typography the same minimalist font there for all of these singles that are coming out so i'm listening to these things it's like okay and they all sound to be like in the same universe as well so i'm like okay let, let me be a bit patient with her, you know, and it started with what was it? I think she released. I think comfortable. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And from there it was, OK, we're moving, we're moving. And then you end with damage uh, at present day. But all of these things have had the same type of packaging, the same type of look and feel. So I think she's it's like uh, breadcrumbs. She's giving mm-hmm. us little pieces until we finally or she's ready to finally emerge um but i think she's just waiting now it's just a, it's a waiting game and eventually we're going to see these you know how she likes to do it with a you know an ep or 
a body of work that's a part of a larger body of work but eventually we're going to see these songs maybe not all of them but we're going to see them again on a body of work for sure yeah yeah for sure like it's 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 a business at the end of the day like you gotta throw some things out sometimes and see see what catches so mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, I i don't i don't really have a problem with the way like her career has progressed over the last few years because everything we've heard has been good <laughs> it's been good so i have no problem being patient and waiting for the album but i, I do i, I do want to see what the album is going to be like I, I think she's she's set a very high standard and with that you know comes high expectations but you know we'll see we'll see about that um some more some news in 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 music pretty pretty big news as well uh triller acquired versus and made all 46 versus performers share, shareholders now we know triller is one of those apps uh you can like play a song and dance and people made a lot of creative content with that it's been popping over the last maybe like four or five years and obviously tiktok has kind of taken taken the lead and, and ran ahead so i saw this as a big move for triller to kind of get back into people's people's radars and kind of uh get themselves into the music space a, a bit more aggressively um and they previously held a, bo- a boxing match with jake paul and nate robinson as well so we see that they're trying to expand you know beyond certain things but uh, I saw a lot of a lot of uh, complaints and negativity about this, you know, and I think with verses in particular, because it started out as something for the culture. It was just fun. It was through mm-hmm. I- I- IG Live. And then, you know, they expanded to being more produced and had Doritos and Ciroc on stage. And and now it's like, you know, uh, and this is similar to Jay-Z and, and the whole title square deal. It's like people are saying that they're selling a black product to the white man. Um, and I, 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 I can understand where people are coming from with that, but, you know, for me personally, like, I think with this, it just gives versus more, more money, more opportunity to then put more black people on, um, and expand their reach as well. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. How, how'd y'all feel seeing that? I definitely just, it's one of those situations where every time I think it's a conflicting thing, you know, it's like, you feel, I think both things can be true. Whereas like, you feel excited for them. One mm-hmm. that this thing that started as IG Live has grown into a viable business where people want to acquire rights and interest in the business. And then you feel the cultural side. It's like, well, now it already started to feel a little diluted when we started doing and adding the theatrics and doing this, then the third. And now we have visible sponsors and ads and now it's this. So you start to feel it's like oh, now it's starting to feel less for us. Mm. Um, and I think that those are legitimate concerns when you see things go commercial in that way. However, I I will say I feel like Triller was a great partner for them because they can pave the way in which they want it to be paved. This is not like a big TV studio that's already established that they're just falling in line as another piece of the content. So Triller is a tech company, and I think this is a larger conversation with music and tech that we're going to get into in our half and half. But like, I am interested, and I think that we should not be so quick to jump on them because they're already starting off by doing the right things. 46 of the performers are shareholders, mm-hmm. so they're already pitting artists first you know what i'm saying and all of our it was our artists on there you know what i'm saying so um i i think we should just wait before we get to judgment yep. and see what they do with it so now if there's community programs for music if there's other things that have you know benefits for like the community but now they have more dollars to just bring it back to the community i'm all for that so mm-hmm. let's wait and see what they do first before we speak on it so pending is my thoughts <laughs> yeah how about you megan um, I I think I'm I'm in line with what you guys both said, but I think my take on it is why why is it when we think commercial we automatically think uh, white majority owned? 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of entertainment companies, yeah. Revolt, for example, BT, for example, you know, that could have given the same commercial success as, as Thrillist, but we would have kept it within our world. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And I think the problem here is like the, the focus isn't in maintaining the, the purity of the culture and the community. Mm. And not to say that this move isn't also going to keep that in line because maybe they have arrangements or deals that, that speak to that. But exactly. I think that there's a way for us to continue to expand while also keeping it in, in-house and within our wheelhouse. Because I understand that bandwidth is a thing. So them selling yeah. the company is totally, you know, I, I get that. You know, they have a million other things going on and maybe they don't need to fully commit their time and, and energy to this space. However, let's not immediately go to the, to the biggest company in the room. Let's figure out a way for us to take what we have. So say, for instance, they want to take it to Revolt, which would make sense to me because Ciroc was a sponsor. So let's mm-hmm. just, you know, it, it, it's not as if you can't access Revolt because the man behind Revolt is the same man behind Ciroc. So I, I think, you know, let's, let, let's shift our perspective into saying, okay, it might be not as big of a move, but culturally it'll give us the viewership and the same eyes that we've had here and the same eyes that are still going to tune in, the same people who are tuning into Thrillist are going to be the same people tuning into Revolt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's going to be equal across the board. So I think the perspective is how can we keep this energy within our community and within our culture and say, let's just bring those viewerships and those 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 thoughts here. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the differentiation comes in for me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I just think that we have just this cultural PTSD that every time we have something that we all love and it gets, I guess, if you will, a bigger look in the commercial broader market, yeah. the incentives change now. Mm-hmm. Right. Now that there's partners, they have new incentives. So maybe now there's a, you know, Britney Spears, Madonna versus now, you know what I'm saying? Because they have different incentives. So it's just like, those are things that, yeah, as when things grow, we got to take those, if you will, those L's, but like, I think that's what I'm saying. We have this cultural, I, it, I think it's cultural PTSD. How many times have we seen this? Something that we love, we talk about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We had Keisha mm-hmm. Cole in Ashanti. Yeah. I don't know how many white folks listen to Keisha Cole. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, it, but it, to me, it's like, why can't, why can't we bring them to us? We've already brought them to I, us. I, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm so with you. I'm just saying, like, that's why I'm like, right now, I want to see. We, I'm like, okay, let's see. Let, let, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I want to see. What, what happens but it's also like do we want to see who, who'd you say madonna and who britney like spears madonna and britney do we want to see that you know and not to say that that would be the combination but is, is the same audience who made versus I see. popular do mm-hmm. we want to sit down and see well, i'll give you madonna's celine dion maybe you know what i mean like yeah i just and i love celine dion yeah. but i don't really want to see them go head to head because they're their music isn't speaking to me in the same way that exactly. mm-hmm. and Keisha Cole is speaking to me. So I right. think I was reading this article the other day about Tyler Perry. And one thing that it talked about was he has somehow maintained the ability to cater to his original fan base and the people who made him who he is while also attracting new ones by keeping mm-hmm. a little bit of the same strategies. And I think a little bit of what they're doing now is sacrificing the viewership of the people who and i don't know because we haven't seen you know but it's mm-hmm. like if they move into that direction of, of bringing in that making it a bit more universal then you're sacrificing the viewership of the people who made you what this is right. to appease to a larger scale audience whereas i think it going the revolt route for instance allows you to keep the people that you want 
and also attract new ones because you're, you're bringing them to, to your channel and you're making revolt bigger in the process. So now you're elevating not only the community, mm -hmm. but this entertainment platform can now be on the same level as a thrillist and nobody's going to blink an eye because you, the people have created that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. And I think it's like, I, I guess right now it's, it's too early to say, but it's just like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm relying on that concern of, or I'm feeling that concern of how many times have we seen this before mm -hmm. in so many other industries for anything, you know, that we can think of, like, it, uh, you know, even as it comes down to like individual artists, you know, right. but, you know, not to spend too much time on, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm excited for them. I'm more on the side of, I'm excited for them now that they have the resources because they've shown that they've been doing the right things. Right. And the idea in and of itself is the right thing to do. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm, I'm excited uh, for this. I hope the versus effect can, can help more artists get, uh, get more streams and everything like that. So I'm, I'm excited for it in, in all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on the wait and see thing as well. I like to let things fail before I call them a failure and critique so intensely yeah. in the moment, but you did bring up a really, really good point, Megan. So um, yeah, just something to think about for all, you know, future business owners who make something viable within the culture and, you know, think about how the culture is going to feel if you try to expand. I saw people tweeting this week about how they would have loved for Versus to include more international artists, you know, like a, a Burner Boy Wizkid Versus would have been fire. Mm -hmm. So um you know, perhaps this can happen through, we'll see, we'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, all in all, definitely a good business move, just culturally, <laughs> feelings are yeah. mixed. Um, some new music stuff. Uh, Giveon released a full project. It's a combination of Take Time and When It's All Said and Done. It's called When It's All Said and Done, dot, 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 Take Time. And he included <laughs> new track, All To Me. Uh, sounded really, really good. Um, he's definitely continuing this kind of, not necessarily kind of villain is you know telling his girl like he he's the best you know whoever you have like isn't making you feel beautiful but i do stuff like that and uh he he he, he makes that that villainous stuff sound so good so um I'm, i was really really uh impressed with the new track um it, it's kind of following the whole her method of combining volume one volume two and then adding some stuff and um you know Giveon is up for for an r&b grammy but, but, but uh, by the time we hear this he'll have either won or lost but um this project could potentially be up for one next year um so you know we'll definitely see about that but kind of want to take this conversation a different direction uh so justin bieber released the track list for his upcoming album justice um and features for that include khalid Giveon, Daniel Caesar, The Kid Leroy, Burna Boy, um, and I believe Benny Blanco is also a feature on that. Now, Bieber's already released some singles, Holy, Hold On, Lonely, and Anyone. Um, Chance the Rapper's featured on Holy. But, uh, you know, Nick and I on this pod have been talking for a few months about, you know, what's next for Giveon, like moves he needs to make. And something that Nick brings up a lot is Giveon featuring on tracks. Giveon's first and only feature that's like been public is, you know, Chicago Freestyle. So his next feature being a Bieber feature um, also Daniel Caesar's on that track is called Peaches. Bieber previewed it. Sounds really good. Sounds like he's getting into his R&B bag. But, you know, I was just so intrigued by this move for Giveon because it's like, you know, but Bieber is, has been accepted by the culture. You know, lately people feel, feel how they feel about him. But, you know, when he gets to that R&B bag, like, you know, the culture loves him. Um, and so I, I see it twofold. Like, it's a really good move for Bieber to work with Giveon um kind of give him give him some some favor within the people give on everyone loves give on right now but it's also a huge move for give being featured with on a track with such a huge pop star um and i, I saw someone tweet this week my, my, my boy caleb catlin shout out to him he tweeted how he feels like give 
is going to soon transition oh. in. <laughs> this is the one that sparked yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're talking about this. We're talking about this. We're talking about this. We're talking about this one. But uh, he feels like Giveon is eventually going to transition into making music solely for award shows. And, and he used the example of John Legend's post 2000s music being very boring and just, you know, for what? award shows. Which is already like, what? don't do that to John. Because that's when John started to get in his bag. Yeah, Thank you, you know, like, so th th there's a lot what? of aspects to this. So I, I, I want to leave it up to y'all, but uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued by, by this. And it's, it's a great look for Gibeonza. So I'm, I'm happy for him. But. Just the one point I want to start the conversation with, and I'll give it to you, Megan. I want to say that this is, I think my first, the thing that we've talked about, I don't know if we've spoken on the pod uh, when in relation to Gibeon, Armand, but like I've been saying now, okay, okay, we've heard a lot of what your home natural sound is. You got to speed it up. You got to mm -hmm. give me some more. So I, if I can't play you out outside on the day parties this summer, you know, you know what I'm saying? You got to, you got to give us those records. You know what I'm saying? And that's one mood, right? But I think that that's a mood that matters so far as pushing you out there into the commercial light, because the more you can be heard outside in public spaces, as stuff starting to open up, that's going to matter. Uh, and I think that that's just the next thing that I want to see in Gibeon's repertoire is like, okay, give me a bop, give me on, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Give me a, give me a joint that that's a, that's an up-tempo joint where you singing and bringing that baritone voice to some up-tempo stuff, you know? And so, uh, if you will, a hit or a commercial record, like I want to hear that, um, but in his, in his pocket. Uh, and so I, that's, that's something I just wanted to start the conversation with because I think that that is where they might be pushing him to say like, all right, now let's do the Bieber thing. Now let's get you in front. Let's part. Let's let's prepare you to be in front. So what'd you think, man? No, I, that was literally exactly what I was going to say. Honestly, I think the biggest thing with Giveon now is like even listening to the, to the project. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. But it's going to be very easy for him to get into a rhythm and a routine and a formula with this music. And I think production wise, if you continue on in this pocket and with no variation, people are going to get bored, especially because the, the, his vocal tone is very unique and almost too soothing, you know? So if you're constantly pairing it behind these kind of like very dramatic and emotional beats, it's, it's just going to, it's going to drag and I'm always going to expect it. And then even from like a developmental standpoint for yourself, you know, you should continuously be pushing that envelope. You know, that I look part. at, I look at Kendrick with each one of his releases since, um, Good Kid, Mad City. And arguably, if you think about the lead up to Good Kid, Mad City, all of those things were in the same pocket. Overly dedicated, Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City are very much in tune sonically. They all him, sound very, very much, yes. Him, very and nice. then you see when he finally got on and he got the resources that he needed, he was able to expand into a whole different sonic expression. You have jazz, you have rock, you have passion, you know, and it's a whole different fervor. Right, right, and right. it is clear you know it keeps you interested but the pen is still the same say mm. what you will about drake but that man knows how to give you something new continuously yeah and even if you look at the stuff that and this is like a little bit on the indie spectrum but even if you look at reggie's projects something that i really love about his artistry is each of these projects that he's put out all sound completely different phases mm -hmm. his first project is an alternative r&b vibe my beanie's orange is giving you musicality you know it's giving you i'm a singer and then you have Thank You For Listening, which just came out. And that's giving you a little bit of arm bounce. It's giving you a 90s type of feel, very jagged edge, if you will. 
Um, Iron balance. I love that. Oh yeah, that's what we that's what we've been calling it in house. You know, because it makes you want to move, makes you yeah, want to move, it gives that. you that knock. Um, and it it feels very reminiscent of that '90s time. And so all of those are different pockets, and it's just an elevation each time. And you're pushing yourself as well because you get in the booth and you're like, "Yo, I'm not really comfortable with this type of style of singing, but I'm gonna try it." Mm-hmm. And it, it you advance. You know, each project. The way I look at projects is like each project should elevate you, whether it's elevating the listeners, whether it's elevating you yourself as an artist, the people that you've been able to create this project with, everything should be about growth. And if you keep creating the same songs, if you go into the studio and you could cut the song in 30 minutes in one take, you're doing something wrong. Mm. It should not, it should always be refinement. It should always be about growth. And this listening to this project was just like, all right, I like it. I see that there's a little, you know, you're trying different sounds. Um, in terms of pockets you're creating with melodies, that's something that I think was very cool. He had a lot of different melodies and, and playfulness. Uh, but for me, it's definitely going to be like, how can we bring this up? So, and it, whether it be mm-hmm. like more upbeat or a completely different lane, it just something has to shift eventually. I agree. Yeah. And I think the thing that got me with the, that Giveon John Legend tweet is like, people look at R&B as this limited thing like people try to limit r&b artists and the moment they try something new it's like you sold out you're doing pop you're only making music for award shows it's like r&b is more than just these heartbroken ballads like r&b is actually pretty expansive itself like like look at a lot of our classic r&b artists like they weren't just making slow sad mood vibe music like they've done upbeat type stuff they've done other things and so I think people's issue with John Legend, and I'll speak for myself, like, you know, I, I haven't loved his last couple, like, the Bigger Love was cool, uh, Light and Darkness was I, because, like, he kind of has some different, more up-tempo stuff, and it wasn't what we n- knew him for, but right. it was impressive, because he did still make some good records, even if I didn't love them, like, I acknowledged the musicality and and the range of them, so, right. you know, I, I think we gotta, we gotta stop, like, looking at these artists stepping out of the shell that we fell in love them for uh, fell in love with them for as a bad thing because you, right. you have new inspirations and you're trying to attract new listeners as well and like you know if you're trying to be like a world renowned international sensation like you can't only make the stuff that like the, the USA loves you for like we talked about with Drake Drake started making drill and afrobeat stuff and now we see like thank you people really love that yeah, and so thank you. you know controller this, the Cola Summer, please. Yeah, like phenomenal. Yeah, the, the, the series of dubs we used to catch. <laughs> the, the three, you know what three I'm talking about? Absolutely. Wasn't it? It was work, controller, and one dance, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. It had a that trifecta right there. It had a legendary. hold on us. Legendary. So people clown him, but he speaks on it. He's like, "Yo, like I never want to get into a place where I am done even pushing myself." Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get into a place where the audience does, never knows what to expect from me, but it's, I have so many interests and so many passions in music that it would be doing myself a disservice not to explore them. Exactly. Yes. yes. Love, that. Love that. Yeah. yeah. But even, and even to that same point though, and that's one thing that I thought about in looking at the track list and the little um, blurb that they do for Justin Bieber's project. I think he's in an interesting place because when you're a child star, you, your identity is kind of shaped for you. And so now he's in this place where all of these things have happened to him. He's gotten married. He's reconnected with his faith. He's kind of changing. And if you look at the Holy, um, if you listen to that, and then you look at the the music video with um, Ryan Destiny, you see like a lot of it is just 
very much so like social justice themes. I mean, the yep. MLK interlude, like that is a completely different Bieber. That's not hold on tight Bieber, you know? So I'm sure there might be some elements in there, but that signified to me, okay, this this person is is changing. Now I'm interested to see how it goes because it didn't, it didn't give Chance the Rapper the best outcome, mm. you know, when he went from acid rap and then he slowly kind of transitioned into coloring book and coloring book I like. I like coloring book a lot. And then you you go into what is it, Big Fish? The the, the, the big day. Big day, the big day. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to that. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was too much. It was yeah. too much because the people who like Ten Day, the people who like acid rap, we heard you on Coloring Book. We felt you. We we're like, okay, this is different. It's giving you know vacation Bible school, but we still rock with it. <laughs> but you know, and I like it. I went to the, oh I have the merch, God. I wore the merch last night. Oh okay, so don't think that's a clown. I like it a lot, but it's just very, it's it's very much different from the same one, the same guy who was um, making a song called Chain Smoker. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not the same man. So yeah. the drastic shift and you trying to curate this new identity you get all the way to the present day album and he can't even go on a tour because he's lost. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier about audience and still capturing that audience that you started with because they matter. And I promise you, those are the cult people that will follow you through whatever. And when you lose them, it's gone and he has lost them. So I hope that Justin with this project doesn't make that same, I don't want to call it a mistake, but the same, the same path you know i hope there's mm-hmm. still a nice balance i honestly think you know this is the last thing i'll say with justin we can move on but i feel like justin has reached that point of no return artist like where mm-hmm. he's he's always gonna have listeners i think mm-hmm. regardless of what he do people are gonna give him that he's reached the benefit of the doubt threshold where he will get that let me let me hear i ain't really you know i'll throw this on let me hear what you got justin he's gonna get those listens at minimum you know what i'm saying so i i think it's it's definitely chance did it in a weird i think space in his career and you can't account for that you know what i'm saying whenever you you know he, he had a, a, an awakening a renaissance within himself so like that's the move he went with and that's where you got to go you got to go hard into it and i'm sure there's yeah. people that embrace that more i don't know them but maybe there are people who are out there you know and that's no shade there's just, yeah there's there's music for everyone period yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, Bieber also just wants wants us to love him, too. Mm-hmm. He yeah. wants that so much, you know, with the whole situation with the, the Grammy nom and everything, mm-hmm. the pop category, art versus R&B. It's like he's one of those guys who really just wants to be accepted in R&B. And so yeah. that's why I think a lot of the plays here and then everyone's, you know, he's always had black people. Pooh Bear made his sound like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know, a lot of people made a tricky Stewart made his sound. So like a lot of people are, have been very involved in his career that are black. So I think. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, what does it look like in the absence of that too, you know? Because in the beginning you had Usher spearheading a lot of these moves, a lot of the stamps that you were making, a lot of the sonic moves that you were making. So what does it look like when the people in the room are shifting and they're not, might not necessarily be of the culture and you're in the the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Like look at Justin Timberlake. He got in the driver's seat and he made that, uh, that project and it was very like folky, very Man weird. in the woods. woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very weird, very weird. And he le- he he never he departed. He never went back to that, mm-hmm. you know, because he realized that maybe me in the seat is not what my viewers want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of it's tough because like 
the, these changes you have within yourself as an artist, your audience doesn't necessarily have them. So you're trying to like in, reintroduce yourself mm -hmm. to them and who this new version of yourself is, but they still want, you know, future sex, love sounds, justified 2020 experience. You're trying to give them man in the woods because you feel like you're the man in the woods at this time, but that, that's, that's not what they want. Like I've, I've written about this before, but like change with uh, like usually gets pushback at first because people don't, people don't respond well to change. You kind of got to, lead them into it like gently rather yes. than just like going full left and i think that's what happened with chance and so you know we'll definitely see what happens here but all of this to round it out i'm definitely very happy for Giveon. that's a huge look for him um and we'll, we'll we'll see what comes of this real quick before we jump into the half and half brett fires dropped new track show you off produced by brett fires sam tracks d pat and atu um definitely a different type of track for brent fires you know this he's my favorite one really Okay. Do you say it I is thought. or it's not? This is my favorite one. Mm. Like, really? Of the new releases, it's my favorite one. But from the three pack, the all that, this to me is showing me his potential. Like mm. that his ceiling is nowhere where I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. This for this for me, for me, I didn't want to just. I just that's what I'm saying. No, Go, continue. Well, no, it's a good, good point, and it's like there's a lot of growth in the midst of that. Like the first thing I noticed was it's four minutes. You know mm. what I mean? And Brent has been the master of like a two minute yes. song. I said mm. four minutes, Brent, let me sit down with this. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the pen and he's talking about, he says, I want to show you off. Know that you never have to feel alone. Mm. That Brent is different from what's the song clouded that's saying all my bitches know I'm leaving, whether there's a mm -hmm. reason or not, don't try to give me a reason mm -hmm. to stay. So automatically I'm like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, like this is that that's what I'm saying. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. That's it. Yes. You know, I think I, I'm just interested now. He's got a little bit more of my attention. I think I've been on the fence about him, but this is showing me, okay, you have a bit more artistry than I realized, you know? Mm -hmm. That is literally my point. Like, yeah. I, I've always acknowledged his artist. I think he's very artistic and like I think yeah. he knows exactly what his people want. He super serves his audience like very well. Uh, very few people do that. I think he's someone who really doesn't. I think that's why, as an independent artist, he's been able to do what he's been able to do because he knows what the ladies like, straight up. Like, he knows what y'all want to hear. Yeah. Um, and I think he's why I really appreciate him right now for R&B and his lane within R&B is that he's dissolving this sort of fast food mentality about R&B. R&B is not meant for two minutes and 30 seconds. I'm sorry. Right. It's not. And this specific type of R&B is meant for more. It's more soul nourishing. It's more. It's there's more to it. There's more layers. If you listen to let's start with Dead Man Walking. That's almost five minutes. If it not is five minutes song. And the way people were going crazy in that replaying it, throwing it over and over and over. Same thing with Good Days for SZA. That song is like four or five minutes. You know what I'm saying? I'm loving that because as an R&B artist myself, as a producer, musician, it's challenging to want to push yourself creatively as well as deliver substance in this short microwave time. And I've just kind of, in my own, like this project I'm about to put out, I've just completely just dissolved that. Like I got songs that are three minutes, 30. Like it just, what it is what it is. It's for who it's for because I can't sacrifice the artistry and the quality. And I think that that's what Brent is doing with this song for me. When I heard the, the 80s sort of, guitar feel the pianos all of the layering with the sounds and then the drums come in later i'm like that's an arrangement 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's making what you're feeling. That's mm-hmm. making trying to push it creative, you know, creatively. Mm-hmm. Everyone in a commercial center would be like, why is the beat not here yet? You know, the, all these sort of things to get the music out in a, you know, in a commercially viable sense. And I think this is also commercially viable. Like people got to realize like, it's just his ability that he's putting out and that his creativity is being pushed to the next level. I mean, it was my favorite of all the singles that have come out, the three pack and all that, because I'm like, Brent, wait, you can, you got this, mm-hmm. you got this eighties Phil Collins, but black sort of like, you know, uh, alternative pocket. You got that mm-hmm. at the higher level. I'm like, okay, no, no, no. I'm, I'm really listening. I'm really. Yeah. Listening. So, I, yeah. I love, I love this track. Yeah, yeah. No, the was... pen, come on, the pen. Yeah, the pen. That the was... pen was penning. The pen was. <laughs> yeah. Pen. He, he, yes. So yeah, shout out Brent. I'm yeah. Gonna, keep pushing it. That's that. That's the thing for me. That's something I immediately noticed because Brent has has this reputation of being toxic, and I want all of us writers, cu- cultural commentators to the, the, this year we need to work on describing r&b without using toxic texture x breakup sad boy wholesome like you know let's uh, let's work on using some other words to describe r&b because it's very reductive and brent shoja like yeah you know me for this you know savage type content but here we go i i, I want to show my woman off it's also reported that, that he's dating a a black woman now so perhaps you know he's he's also telling us about more about his his life yeah, like he's telling us about his life. He's at a place now where it's not about, you know, the lyrics you said in Clouded, but now he wants to show a woman off. So he's got range. The pen is expanding. The sound is expanding. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited for him to kind of break down these preconceived notions that people have gained about him as a result mm-hmm. of the content he's previously given. So I was very, very happy with this as well. I'm looking forward to uh, whatever his next work is. But um, all this talking, uh, this was, this chat got, got real intense, but it was a good one. I really enjoyed this. But all this talking, I know I'm thirsty. Megan, I don't know if, if you got a drink over there, but Nick has a, uh, Nick nice got some Topo special Chico. Topo Chico. That, it's, it's, that's good. Colin put us I love a good Topo Chico. It's, it's real good stuff. What is that? You never had Mineral Topo Chico? No. Nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like of grapefruit. It's mm-hmm. delicious. It's crisp. And it has a nice little flavor. Topo Chico, if you're watching this. <laughs> exactly. See, she get it. She get it. We're so we're going to plug both of them. Topo okay. Chico, send her a case. You know what it yes. is. And then, yes, I'm sipping in my new Stay Busy mug. Right. My new Stay Busy mug. You see the branding. You see mm-hmm. the merchandise. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am sipping on a tea that I've been really enjoying. This is Mud Water. Oh, Shout wow. out to Mud Water. It's uh, for those who don't know, it's a coffee alternative. I wasn't a big coffee person, but I've always been a tea person my entire life. Um, so it is a coffee alternative. It has one seventh the caffeine of a cup of coffee. Um, all the focus, all the energy and immunity, which is great because coffee is just acid water. It has immunity <laughs> with, uh, without the crash, you know, so that I think that's really important here. And it has some other, you know, health benefits like turmeric is good, anti-inflammatory. We got cinnamon, some Himalayan salt, some cordyceps, chaga reishi, lion's mane, cacao, all the above. So shout out to Mud Water. This is my second month, Mud Water. I'm liking this product. I'm enjoying it. I'm drink- I'm putting it in smoothies. I'm drinking it hot. I'm drinking it cold. It's great. So shout out to them. But our half and half is coming out of music business worldwide. This is something that I've literally spent in the last, how would you say, last 72 hours. I've probably spent 20 hours researching this uh, NFTs. And we talked about it last week with Kings of Leon. And this is something that I want to continue to speak on because 
I want people to become aware of it. If you haven't heard of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, this is uh, music-related NFT sales have topped 25 million in the past month by Murray Stats. And shout out to Murray and the crew at Music Business Worldwide. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are basically a type of cryptocurrency. So instead of holding money, they hold assets like art, tickets, music. Uh, a lot. It's been huge in the in the uh, digital art space. Uh, actually, this past week. There was one that sold for $69 million. Mm. You heard me. $69 million was a digital artwork from the artist uh, Beeple. Uh, Every day's the first 5,000 days with the name is the piece. Yes, 69.3 million as reported by Bloomberg, which is crazy because now we're in a space of crypto art and digital art. And what I really love about NFTs is that there is a capacity without getting too in the weeds because I'm starting to get into the weeds and I'm realizing I'm just scraping the tip of the iceberg because now I've been studying blockchain, Ethereum, all these different things of how it's connected, which NFTs are written on Ethereum's blockchain and whatnot. So, um, or at least held there. And so it's been interesting to see that, that with these NFTs, it's a, a lot about peer-to-peer ownership um, and transactions. And with the big thing that's really important is there's like, so for example, what I've understood as I understand it, and anyone who's listening, please correct me if I'm incorrect, if you understand it's better than me, is that say an artist creates a piece of work and they sell it as an nft because it's logged into the blockchain every sale thereafter whatever price they can set a royalty payment that they will get from each sale thereafter so as the art changes hands because it's non-fungible meaning it cannot be replicated duplicated and whatnot those are one of one copies that you have just like a big art piece right here as it changes hands the original artist will get a royalty which is a huge thing to think about when you think about now like musicians and artists like DJ Blau, who actually went to Cornell, shout out to DJ Blau. We talked about him. He had sold and he's continuing to sell NFTs. He had sold one um, for 11.6, I believe million was a few of his uh, digital albums. And we think about Illmind who's doing the uh, sort of beat traders, like digital trading card, beat trading cards, which are literally like trading cards with beats that have stories on the back of the trading card about how the beat was created. And people are just getting real creative about thinking different ways to make money in this music. Jacob Collier, who's an amazing artist who I think about, he just released uh, sets of his Logic sessions. Logic is a program for those who know who, how you create music, record music. He's releasing prints, digital prints of his Logic sessions because he's notorious for having like 700 tracks, 8,000 tracks. He's releasing prints of those. And if you collect, there's incentives, like if you collect three of them, you get access to his backstage shows for you know however long but he's also then has sociological like social justice um, uh, connections to it so that all the proceeds from those nfts are going to go towards environmental concerns reducing the carbon footprint for cryptocurrency mining because cryptocurrency uses a lot of energy to create and to mine and to keep the, the whole thing going so artists are getting real creative with this non-fungible token space and just the whole crypto space in general. And as I, like I said, I'm only really scraping the tip of the iceberg. I'm realizing there's a lot of potential here because it's not been done. People are rewriting the way in which it's happening. You know, so I mean, people are making millions of dollars in one shot, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it's, even if this is a trend and a fad that fizzles out or whatever it is, I don't see that happening because I don't think crypto is, I think crypto has reached critical mass where it's not going to go anywhere. It's just interesting to think about. So um, I wanted to just talk about a few of the different, few of the different things that have been happening in this space. Uh, Atari recently, the game company, um, 
they have also gotten in the space and they're getting to the NFT business by uh, partnering with a company called Bondly, which is a peer-to-peer e-commerce platform for digital assets to launch NFTs across gaming, music, and other areas. So, they're, so they're, their goal is to combine these NFTs into a new crypto gaming platform called the Atari Metaverse that allows the creators to create to mint, which is like creating, mint and distribute their own NFT collections to their fans, which adds a new element the argument uh, uh this adds a new element to the argument that nfts are becoming a force for democratizing the music industry cutting out the middleman more peer-to-peer we see peer-to-peer with superphone ryan leslie shout out to the team over there creating digital text marketing systems for you to be able to get inside the inbox of your fans and their text and you know messages so just some quick high level notes and then we can have a whole discussions about this uh you know like we we talk about linkedin part shinoda mike shinoda raised thirty thousand via an nft auction on february 22nd the very uh pele k released a musician who he claimed they claimed to be the very first nft music album that sold for 160,000. grimes auctioned off almost six millions worth of digital art on nifty gateway justin blau who we talked about 1.11.6 million. Uh, who else? We got Steve Aoki, amazing DJ and producer. His NFT art collection sold for 4.2 million. Like, so we can just go on. Osuna in the Spanish world, 40, uh, four, uh, 456,000 from an NFT auction in 15 minutes. Like, people are going crazy over this stuff. So, I would love to hear, you know, your perspective when you're thinking about technology as an artist manager, Megan Taylor, what have you been thinking about um, so far as it relates to the digital space? How are y'all thinking about that in relation to managing your artists at the Village Music Group? It's a very interesting concept, honestly. And we were talking a little bit about it a couple of days ago and just really trying to wrap our heads around the concept. And Edgar kind of likened it into it being similar to somebody selling a towel that Justin Bieber threw into a crowd on eBay. Only this time around, the money isn't going to the person who caught the, the towel, it's going right back to Justin Bieber, you know, or to whatever, whatever organization they want to give it to. The only thing that I'm real, or sorry, go ahead. I was just saying really both, because the person yeah. makes a sale, well, but true. then Justin gets a royalty off the towel sale every time that towel now changes ah, hands. Okay, okay. So that, that's another way to think of it. So it's like, it, the artist is not getting cut out. Mm-hmm. It, that's the point here, right. is that they're not getting cut out for, for their IP or their, right. you know, contribution. I think the biggest thing that is a stall point for me is based on the, 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 the precedent right now that's kind of being set. A lot of this is in favor of major artists. And I think audience, right now- Audience size, yeah. Yeah, I think right now there's a very, very low incentive for ind- independent artists to participate in this and at least see the same yields and, and returns as a major artist. Because Reggie selling his logic session, sessions is not going to be the same thing as what's just happened with James. Jacob, um, Jacob Collier. Jacob, Jacob yeah. Collier. Um, it's not going to be the same, the same thing at all, you know? And I think that's really where the, the innovation comes in. You know, how can we still access and utilize these new opportunities that be, are being presented to us? and activate them within the space that we're in with the knowledge that right now it's not going to yield the same results and I think that kind of goes into understanding the type of artist that you're trying to be you know so if you want to become an artist where in five years 
you're able to have an NFT situation that blossoms and you're making millions, or if you kind of just want to become shift into a pocket that says, okay, right now I'm going to make a really big, really big focus and push in this space. I'm going to try to sell and cultivate a lot of these different unique experiences for this sole purpose. But I think it, it gets hard because as an independent artist, you don't necessarily have the resources, the capacity, or the audience to really dedicate time to, to making this flourish. So I think it's, it's a very interesting situation to be in as an independent artist because it's not something that seems to be immediately in our favor. That that was my number one, I think, takeaway so far as like, okay, so now how do I do this? You know, how mm-hmm. do I make this happen is that you got to have audience. And I think just with audiences leverage, it's just when you have mm-hmm. eyes and ears, you can just tell them, hey, go here now. Now go there. You're just diverting attention. And yeah. I think for, yeah, in independent artists who are, I think this could work for mid-sized level independent artists, like yes, artists sure. who have like a following, like a core following. If you have at least, I would say, between five to 10,000 people, mm-hmm. you could get some people to purchase your NFTs because, you know, if you're selling out, you know, maybe 200 to 500 people venues, you know, in, the, in mm-hmm. a normal world, if you're selling out that and you're seeing at least a consistent level of income and revenue from that, I think that this could work for that, for them as well. But the main factor there, yes, is like you said, is the audience. So do you have the eyes and ears to be able to tell them? Because one, in a way, like this, I mean, this is, these are early adopters, if you will. These people are right. early adopters in, in this new technology. And I mean, the crypto world is something that people are not even aware of now. It's just becoming, getting that main sort of mainstream awareness, but very few people have adopted it and very few people have even really understand it, if you will. And so I think the future of NFTs, if it is to kind of become a way for people to do peer-to-peer transactions in the music space, artists to their consumers or to their listeners, mm-hmm. it has to be one more easy to understand. And two, we have to have the marketplaces, I think, where a normal person who doesn't really get it can go on and still support their favorite artists. Yep. And so I think it's it's a very interesting conversation and and then it becomes you know they talk about a lot in when in digital space digital art space where this is really booming is like so then how do you know you display this art or whatever incentives that you got from it how do you show it off and because a lot of people that's that's big for people you know if you mm-hmm. buy you get straight exclusive drake merch you think someone's not going to take a ig photo shoot for it you know what i'm saying right. and put it on there so it's like how in which ways do you then display this sort of digital stuff and so like there are a lot of people have been talking about that because then it have to be sort of a dual thing that you get these digital almost like certificate of authenticity but then there's some sort of physical element to come with it that way you feel a connection to it and feel that you mm-hmm. got your value out of it but yeah this and is I think, some, go ahead yeah sorry even even that point is like a lot of the lens that we try to look at things now is okay how can we make this wider you know and the biggest the quickest way to make things wider is being able to post it on social media so if you give me something that is easily able to access at least my immediate network that's not only good for you but it's good for me too because now these people are sharing the story you know they're sharing what it is that I've just been able to do so it's it's eyes and it's it's capital and in this day and age that's everything I seen this becoming huge. Even Armand in the wrestling world, like when he talks about trading cards, like the NBA partnered with Topshop, yep. who was one of the first companies that made like Crypto Kitty, which is like those <laughs> they're going for tens of millions of dollars. Those those digital art pieces, and mm-hmm. so they taught they partnered with the NBA to create moments now. So like a LeBron dunking on somebody, you can own that moment mm-hmm. and pass that moment on and. I hope the NBA is giving LeBron a piece of it and whoever else was in there and whoever got dunked on a piece of it too. But 
point being is that now we're we're thinking about we're breaking open the way we think about moments and ownership and people are even talking about i'll end it here because i've just i have so much my brain is going crazy right now to think about people are now talking about like fractional fractionalizing digital assets like in video games mm -hmm. like owning for example in 2k or something when your players walking around and there's a building owning that building as an nft wow <laughs> and being able to own shares of that building within nft you know what i'm saying owning the court the the stadium and which like people are really starting to break out and have real world like dollar amounts which is crazy to think about and so if you're not i think at this point even if you're you're not adopting it and getting into it and running with it heavy i think if you're an independent artist you're not at least having this stuff on your radar i think you're missing a step and you're missing the mm -hmm. point i think because you need to know about this stuff because this could be something when it gets more easily used and more widely accessible, something that we could really dive into. So mm -hmm. that's it on NFT. <laughs> I, I'm off it. That's our half and half, more of a full and full. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of substance there. You mentioned he had a wealth of knowledge. He was ready to share it. Hey, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm actually in a group chat with people who do NBA Top Shot and they'd be going all day like, yo, this is up, like jump on this. I'm just I'm, I'm just trying to learn. But it's like it's it's growing at such a fast rate. I feel like I'm behind and they only really found out about it like a month ago. So it's like, wow. you got to get on this. <laughs> you got to do the education. Um, let's jump into our employee of the month. One more shout out to the homegirl and Jira Perkins. Clap it up, clap it up. Yes. Shout out to her. Jared Perkins is a freelance writer and senior writer for Afrotech. The Baltimore native and New York-based journalist lends her skillful pen to speak on topics that pertain to music, pop culture, tech, and business with an emphasis on am amplifying the stories of Black people. Her words have been featured in several publications, including OK Player, Shadow and Act, The Gumbo, Daily Rap Facts, and more. In addition to her other career endeavors, Njira serves as the editor-in-chief of The Fourth Quarter, a Baltimore-based media outlet that strives to provide exposure for local artists and report on all things at the intersection of music, culture, sports, and more. We love how the Stay Busy alumni circle comes full circle as she just recently interviewed Swaggy C, our guest the first week of this month for Afrotech, talking about her career and just highlighting another incredible Black woman. We love that. Shout out to all y'all. One more time, shout out our employee of the month, Injira Perkins. That said, let's hear some tunes. Let us jump into the slide deck. The best song wasn't the single, but you weren't either. All right. So as you know, we got an incredible guest here with obviously a great year for R&B as she and I connected over John Legend's album, Love in the Future, as, as we said. But this month is for the women. So we want to hear some tracks from the women. So what track did you bring for us, Miss Megan Taylor? I brought you guys a track called Sorry to Say by a new artist named Tempest. It's a Tempest. I'm hip. Yeah, yeah. So you already know what's good. Yeah, she's from Long Beach. She's been doing a lot of writing for the past couple of years for a lot of other people kind of building up her repertoire she used to be a dj back in the day her soundcloud mixes are fire if you have the time definitely do a deep dive into that um but yeah she's finally emerging as the star that she is and the music is great i, I kind of i was torn yeah. honestly between doing sorry to say and the mm -hmm. first single that she put out but sorry to say is definitely it's a hot record cool. let's hear it 
slides i've heard in a long time Word. she's like that wow wow definitely like that that's perfect way yeah. to put it <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well tempest i'm i'm super tapped in now i've heard it i had heard of tempest but tempest if you're listening wow ho <laughs> ho sheesh crazy, pockets right? rhythm and sh- melody production is crazy produced and by and elastic yeah yeah, and uh, Los Hendricks and Jay James. I've been seeing Los Hendricks' name a lot. I'm trying, but there's one artist he, he works that here or there. I don't know if it's one person or two, but I can't think off the top of my head. But I've, I've been seeing Los Hendricks' name a lot lately. So just goes to show that uh, I think he just his, tapped I, in. But that, think, that track was hard. I think he did Good Days by SZA. Is he on there? He might be on there too because it's Nasen was also Nasen did it. Yeah, Nasen. Uh, yeah, uh, we gonna might look. have been good days. Yeah, good <laughs> Kieran, look it up for days. us. Speaking of good days, uh, Jacob Collier saying backgrounds on that too. Just, really? I love how everything. Okay, comes so together. I need to tap in with this guy, and I played him. I, I played him. I'm sorry, yeah. Jacob Collier. I, I'm gonna tap in with you. Yeah, no, he's saying backgrounds on good days. Yeah, so. <laughs> so check that out. Yeah, it's super dope. Oh my god! Amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's um, a heater. I'm not I guess I'll, I guess I'll follow add that, that to my Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was Carter Lane. Carter Lang, Los Hendricks. It was, yeah, Los Hendricks was on that. Armand, mm-hmm. great job. Yeah. Carter Lang, Los Hendricks, okay. and Nassent. Shout out Nassent. Uh, but yeah, wow. Um, I guess I'll follow that. Um, <laughs> I have Last Love by Sinead Harnett, produced by JD Reed. Ooh, I like her. I haven't heard anything from her in a long time. I don't think so. This I'm, is, I'm this excited. Is a new joint, new thing, new thing. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you how I feel about it. I don't want to feel no way Cause if I'm really being honest I haven't even missed you today Marathon that we go through Just to keep them out of your Every day I'm running around to keep me going If I think too much I remember falling All the things I do Nothing gets in the way like your last love. Last love. In the corner of my mind, when I was yours and you were mine. Last love. 
Love Sinead yeah. Harnett produced JD Reed. Okay, another. I've been creating this. This I should write a paper on it. It's been a thesis, and the the uh, the the title is UK artists do not skip step. That they're the so good. Oh, the they're so good. She she calls herself Tyrish. She's Thai and Irish, but she's from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an amazing artist. Obviously, you hear all of her influences. Arm and Soul, just. Great delivery, great pen. That's why I really connected with the song because of the pen. Um, the, love the production, the way a little bit of arm bounce there, as you see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of, especially when the hook right. hit, especially when the hook hit. And that's when I started to, that's when I was sold. You know, the phrase yeah. first came in. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. it's cool, it's cool. Then she, the drums yeah. started kicking. I'm yeah. like, hold on now. Yeah, the yeah, melody, she's like, come here. Come yeah, here. Like, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Song exactly. structure is crazy too, because I think like the second verse of a song is like that's when I know whether or not I'm really rocking with you. If you got me in the second verse too, then we're 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 in it. You she came through swinging on the yeah. second verse. I'm like, yeah. It. Let me remember to ask what the name of this song is because I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah. she's amazing. Shout um Elam. Shout out to Elam. Elam opened for her. There's an artist that we went to school with actually. Opened for her on tour a, a while but before the pandemic. But yeah, Sinead Harnett, uh, she's has some really good music. Y'all should tap into her if you have not on the listeners. So Armand, what you got for us, sir? I have a track by the name of Is It a Crime? This is by an artist by the name of Norel, who you might not know her, but you should know her. You'll find out uh, later this week when uh, my conversation with her drops on the Lifestyle NYC. But just know that she is Grammy accredited for more than just one pretty good project over the last few years. So let's jump into it. Surely she cannot 
About this undersinging era. That's what we finna do. We yeah. getting up out of that. You gotta sing. You gotta sing now. <laughs> sing. <laughs> okay. Sing. Thank you, Narell. Thank you. Shout out the love to Sade. We love that. Mm-hmm. Listen, and okay, you said that you said the title is it a crime? And you guys don't know this. We're still learning each other. But Sade is like my number one favorite artist of all time. Like we share a birthday. I'm I'm very serious about yeah. Sade. I'm very serious about her. So when I heard the title, I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know if it's gonna be a cover. I'm like, okay, what's gonna go? What's gonna happen? But then she started singing, and I appreciate that approach so much because I think oftentimes when people do covers or even when they try to get into like the Sade vibe, it's very much so a replication of Sade. And you don't really see their artistry shine through. But she came in and she sang that. Mm. She sang her face off. And it was beautifully, it was beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I had goosebumps, mm-hmm. genuine goosebumps here in that. Um, just, just the emotion. I've, I've said it so many times in this podcast, but, you know, the R- R&B for me, like, I'm big on the emotion and how it makes me yeah. feel. And just the delivery of the vocals on that, the arrangement, it all just came together so well and genuinely made me feel like, yo, I'm wondering if it's a crime that I I, I want you like too, like like you, you saying those words, but they feel like they're coming from me. Um, so shout out to Norell and K Bell on the production on that. Um, very excited to drop our conversation. We had a great conversation this past week, and I got I definitely got got some gems coming for y'all. So make sure y'all stay locked to that Thursday, the Lifestyle NYC, um, and audience listeners. As you know, the Stay Busy Slide Deck playlist is available on all platforms. So hit the link tree in our IG and Twitter bio. If you would like a slide added to the deck, artists and listeners, hit us at Stay Busy Pod on IG and Twitter or email us. Make sure you join that mailing list. Make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, all that good stuff. It's time to get to the main event. You know, we have an incredible guest here with us, Megan Taylor Jordan. So before we jump into learning more about her and her path, we're going to play a game of auto reply y'all know the rules nick and i go back and forth we say one word and our guest is going to let us know the first word that comes to mind so are are you ready do do you want to take a sip of some tapa chico you want to stretch breathe it's all love here it's all all in good fun yeah i think i'm as ready as i'm ever gonna be there we go that's the energy nick kick us off brother all right we're gonna start with a word the word remember just one word response Maximum. Energy. Deviation. Depart. Cohort. Discourse. Audacity. Men. (laughs) You know, I was going to say, these these niggas. (laughs) Listen, I hate (laughs) We love that. We love that. (laughs) Next one is frugality. Wealth. Village. Community. Pepperdine. Me. <laughs> and last but not least, Megan. Love. 
Yes, yes. We love that. That was fun. I like that. Where did the men have the audacity? <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing men gonna have is audacity. It's, <laughs> audacity. it's audacity. I'm just, I'm, it, has, it has to be said. And I want us women watching this, I want you to feel seen. Yes. And I understand you. I'm, we're here. Love that. Love that. Love that. So we want to get into you, get into your background a little bit and just learn more about, you know, how you got to the place that you're at now. So I think the best place to start is tell us, you know, about your your upbringing, how, how you grew up, type of music that was playing in your house as a child. Just, you know, kind of background information. Yeah, and I, I guess that's interesting. Like I was born in Pomona, but then we moved to what's happening. Were you were you born in Pomona? No, I, I I was grew up in Covina. I oh lived right by Cali, I, Cal Poly Pomona. Like I was literally, I was born in the whole exit off the hospital. Tent. Like wow, this is divine. Everything is divine. Mm-hmm. divine. Even the Sade reference. Like when she started playing, I'm like, yeah, I was definitely meant to be mm-hmm. in this space. Mm-hmm. And I'm somebody who like is very very in tune with the things that are happening around mm-hmm. me. And so yeah. like little small indicators like that are like, okay, keep moving. You're, you're yes. moving where yeah, you're yeah. supposed to be. This definitely feels aligned. Amen. Wonderful. Um, but yeah, I was born in Pomona and then we moved to LA and I lived there till about like 10. And then I spent the rest of my life in Atlanta, Georgia, the North mm-hmm. side of Atlanta. So it's a bit interesting because I think both of those locations, you know, spending half my life here in LA and California and the other half of my development in in Atlanta as a, an older person kind of developing into who I am today has definitely shaped a lot of who I am. Um, and then I came back for college. Right. So I've been here since I was 18. I went to Pepperdine. Um, and then I graduated in 2018. So I'm a couple years post-grad. Um, and then it's a, it's an interesting situation. So like, we'll go back to, I jumped ahead super quickly. So we'll go back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I don't actually really remember like music consistently being played in the house. Like my, I know my dad was a huge lover of music and my mom as well, but like, it was never something that I recall being like played, you know, right, I, right. my, my earliest memories with music are we had moved to Atlanta already and in middle school like school starts like the crack of dawn and I I don't know why but I used to always be up my mom wanted me to be up and ready with her so that when she went to work she would know that like I was I was ready to go Mm -hmm. so I would be up at like five six in the morning and when there's not too much on but like music at that time on MTV and that was a time where like they were kind of shifting out of playing music, but early in the mornings, you know, they played the music still. And then it would transition to Saved by the Bell would come on around like seven. So that's when I would get out of that. But um, also shout out Saved by the Bell. Great show. Um, but I would listen to the the music that they played. And so my first instances with music is crazy enough was um, Chasing Pavements by Adele. Mm. In terms of like what I remember, like really, really enjoying as a kid. And then I heard this other project named Holly by this singer-songwriter named Justin Azuka, who's one of my favorite artists to this day. And that's like the first album I ever bought, fun fact, was Holly by Justin Azuka. And I just got this iPod and my mom was like, you could buy one album. And at the time, like, that's what I was seeing on MTV. They were playing these videos. The song was called After Tonight. They kept playing this video over and over again. I'm like, yo, this is a great song. So I bought the album. 
the second album I bought was Danity Kane's first album. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They don't know about Danity Kane. They don't know. Show stopping. With show, no, show stopping. I listened to show that album stopping. consistently. You know, she was like, my mom had this thing where, like, because I started to, she, I, I think she kind of understood that I was starting to really get into music. So she was like, okay, once a month you can buy an album on the iTunes store. So the first album, Justin Nuka's second album, we're rocking with Danity Kane. And from there, you know, it just kind of expanded. And so, I remember like being heavily involved in like the singer songwriter kind of lane. Cause that's what I was seeing on TV. And it got to a point where I was writing for, so I was in Atlanta in the summers I would come home and I would be in Carson with my cousin Sierra and she and I kind of bonded and created this like love for music together. So a lot of my early like memories around music and the music discovery is with her. So we spent the summers together and one summer we were riding around with her dad, my uncle, and she was like, I want to play something for you. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. She plays me Friday Night Lights by J. Cole. She plays me Premeditated Murder. Mm. And at first I was like kind of listening. And this is how powerful the moment was. Like I can literally see it in my head. We're riding around. We just, we, her dad just picked us up from Delamo Mall. So we're leaving. Um, and she's like, he's playing, R. Kelly's playing on the radio. Like, this is how, it just was a marker in time for me. Yeah, R. Right. Kelly's playing on the radio. I have one headphone in, and I'm kind of listening to it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, you know, he's rapping. It's not anything that's, like, grabbing me or whatever. And then he says, don't worry, even Jesus never knew his real father. And I said, I don't know why it spoke to me, but I'm just like, that was kind of crazy. Let's, let's start again. Start this from the beginning. And from there, it was just... I was immersed. It was like, that was my first instance into storytelling, into the power of lyricism and words and the emotion that that could bring out of you. And initially I had heard that before, but it was in a different dynamic. It, it, this felt like me, it felt like home. So from there, I was just like everything R&B, everything hip hop, while still keeping, you know, my roots where they were. But like, I, it just was up and stuck for me. I just never made a, a full return back, you know? And I just kind of did a full-blown exploration of, of all of the artists that we love today. And then, of course, like uh, in passing, my mom would say, oh, well, I love Anita Baker. So I, of course, when you do this history, you're like, okay, well, who can I listen to next? Let me listen to Anita. Let me listen to Whitney. Let me get into Sade. Let me find out from Anita. It's Tony. You know, like a, just a natural progression of things. Um, and by the time I got to high school, I'm like, yo, this music thing is... Uh, phenomenal you know and then I discovered what A&R was and I didn't realize that you could have a career in music because I grew up in a household where my parents were very adamant about school and going to college and getting the grades and having a professional life and making your moves in your your life your livelihood that way they're all about support um, and my parents were fortunate enough to come out of very tough impoverished situations and kind of welcome me into a life where I didn't necessarily need to be concerned about where food was coming from or if I had the support that I needed I could literally just cultivate the life that I wanted and so for them it was important that I chose a career path that gave me the stability to do that and build upon their their growth like my mom always says each generation does better than the next so that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff I'm hearing at home and for them the the way to do that is through climbing the corporate ladder because that's what they did right so I leave high school under the notion of like, in my mind, I know that like, I want to work in music. I want to create a music company that allows me to feel how I feel when I'm listening to my favorite artists. Um, something that is very emotive. It makes me, you know, very soulful. I think at the essence of all the music that we hear today is soul. And whether it's soul music or it's hip hop, soul is there. 
um, even all the way down to pop. So I get to college and um, my I'm very much so in the root of like going to law school and becoming this entertainment lawyer and thinking, OK, like I can satisfy my music feeds. You know, I'll just I'll represent musicians. It'll be fun. It'll be great. But in the back end of that, you know, I'm kind of satisfying my parents what they want. But on the back end, I'm like, OK, yeah. that all of my all of my work experience, though, is going to be in music. Like that's how that's where I'm going to get my fulfillment from. So I'm kind of living this double life. So I started I'm really big on just like outreach, you know, so like I don't really think that if I have access to an email, I'm I'm going to email you. Got to use it. <laughs> you know, like it, it, I, I, that's just how I've been. I've always been that way. And even when social media started to become a thing, that's how I landed my first internship um, was just DMing like a long list of um, CEOs of independent labels in L.A. DM, 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 DM. Same generic message, like, hi, my name is Megan. I do X, Y, Z. Like, would love to do yada, yada, yada. Where can I send my resume? No hitbacks for forever. And then finally in July, towards the end of the summer of my, in entering my junior year. So I'm just turned 21. Um, and I finally get a hitback from this label called Anti-Society, which um, was home to David Sebastian for a little while and another artist named Anti-Pop. And, um, that is kind of the catalyst of everything. I spent that summer in the studio with them, going to publishing meetings, going, sitting on sessions, figuring out what it meant to even have a session, how you create a song. Like it was just my welcoming into the world of music. And I had no idea what was going on, but I loved it. Mm. They had a compound in Van Nuys and I thought it was the coolest thing. The studio was in the back. The house yeah. was there in the front. They did the work. It was like, great. You're about to say something? No, no, no. I'm just listening. I'm enjoying it. Okay, myself. okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so from there, it was just how can I continue to, to feed this beast that was growing in me, you know, um, but also still serve the purpose of like keeping up appearances like, yes, you know, law school, great, we're having fun, we love it. Um, by the time I got to my senior year, though, I was helping, I was interning at MTV and I was doing the music for the TV show Catfish. Okay. And at this point in time, I kind of got to a point where like, yo, I'm, I'm at MTV this is crazy. You know, like there, right. if I want to do music at this point, I'm getting ready to graduate. I just need to commit, you know? And I kind of was a bit hesitant to approach that with, to my parents, you know, and it ended up being one of the biggest fights me and my mom have ever had. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, they didn't understand the vision at that time, you know, to them coming from where they came from and, and understanding that like stability is, corporate stability is like having structure. It's not entering into an industry where you have to spend all this time grinding and you may or not see results. You know, it's not, the music industry is the opposite of the stability that they wanted, you know? So me saying that I wanted to come in and do music was just kind of like a shock to everyone. So um, we came up with a solution where my mom said, if you're, you know, if you have a job by the time you, you uh, graduate, go work in music. And at the time, like I said, I'm on MTV, I'm feeling myself. I'm like, of course I'm going to have a job. Look where I am. Like, Come on. Right. The jokes write themselves. Um, and <laughs> um, I had already gotten to a couple of law schools. So I'm like, okay, either way it goes, you know, it'll be fine. She's like, if you get into, if you get a job, you get a job. If you, you don't, then you go to law school. And at the time I'm like, cool, easy solution. April, 2018 rolls around. Guess who doesn't have a job? Me. Like so, you know, I go to law school. What can I do? I, I said I was going to go to law school. And at the time, 
I didn't have the opportunity to do what I wanted in music and I didn't really have any other options and I didn't have the the courage and the strength in myself to say I'm not going to do this I'm going to take the time to figure myself out I just wasn't there as a person but um so I did my first year of law school and I'm I'm beyond grateful for it because that was the year that I became who I am right now it was the year that I found myself and I just emerged as much as I could possibly have ever and dreamed of. And it was also the year that um, led to me and Reggie working together. So he and I mm. met my senior year of college in 2018. And he was finishing up his project phases and he needed like this arguing scene to happen um, on one of his songs on there. And so I went into the studio and my friend Cruz, who also went to Pep with me, um, called me and my other friend, uh, Faishan. And he's like, yo, can one of you guys come in and do the the um, the arguing scene? And Faishon's like, sure, you know, I'll do it, no problem. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to come, you know, like, I want to be in the vibes. So, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm really like, That's I just want to be That's down, good. like, y'all yeah, yeah. going to the studio, I want to go to the studio. And it, Cruz had this cool apartment where, like, he... Um, the studio was lofted so like you would go up uh -huh. these stairs and there would just be a nice little studio so it was great um so we get there and for whatever reason Sean decides not to do the arguing scene so i'm left to do the arguing scene mind you i have never met reggie in my life i don't know him and now we're like in <laughs> now we're in the booth like arguing with each other and it's it's fun you know it's lightweight it's low energy but it's also just like this is our first introduction to each other but from there, it was just like an instant click, you know, and we just became really, really great friends. Um, and I always say it, it used to be, Cruz would be, you know, I have to leave. I have a session with Reggie and everyone would be like, who's Reggie? You know, we don't know this person. We're always talking about Reggie, 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 Reggie. <laughs> and it literally went from who's Reggie to where's Reggie? Like, is Reggie coming? Like, that's how, <laughs> that's how instantaneous our friendship was. Wow. And um, when I got to school, Cruz and I were talking and we're like, yeah, like, we were actually talking about the uh, LMA and who was it? Jacquees, who who mm, did a the whole situation. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The trip remix. Trip. Also, real quick, which which version do you guys? Uh, uh, <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to be the one asking the question I'm, here, I'm, but of course. I love it. I, I, I this version. Yeah, I, I think Jacquees Jacquees did it better. He's he's a better singer than, than Ella, just to put it Ooh, put it straight. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. You think that's a hot take? I think it's a hot. I think it's a hot take to say he's a better singer than LMA. I don't think it's a hot take to say that his version was better because I do gravitate towards that. But I think it's a very hot take to say that he's a better singer than LMA. Mm. You think LMA is a good singer? I do think LMA is a good singer. Well, first, yeah, I think LMA is a good singer. You guys don't think LMA? <gasps> wow. I think she can hold the note but there is a lot of improvement that needs to be made and i really liked her debut album like i really really liked it the songwriting the production was great but she has another level she can hit as a as a vocalist the way she delivers her runs like there's a certain stuff she tries to hit and it's just like Ooh, that was that was rough that was rough but like she has so many moving parts that come together to make the song solid regardless but uh yeah <laughs> Wow. You but anyways, something. back to the story <laughs> of Reggie in the lab. Back, back to the point at hand. Back to the point at hand. Hot takes aside. No, so we're just like, yo, like, let's get this going. Let's figure out a way for us to start working on music. So I'm in my first semester of law school. And um, 
I'm like, let's, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm full fledged. So we literally, again, I'm living this double life. So the first half of my day is completely filled with school and studying and what have you. And from about, I'll say 7 PM to like two in the morning, it's sessions or meetings or shows or whatever. And, um, Reggie was one of the artists that we were working with initially and another guy named Shaw Infinite that I'm still kind of working with now. Um, and two other artists, that's where Juan Miguel came from and um, my cousin Corey as well, who just recently moved to the UK. Um, and so we're, we're moving, you know, we're kind of, we don't really know what we're doing, but we're getting our feet, but we're trying, you know? And from there, um, the ups and downs and the lessons that we learned and the, the things that we figured out about ourselves and our needs kind of transitioned into what you see now uh, as the village. And wow. the journey started in 2018, but we launched officially uh, June of 2020. And yeah, it's been a very, very long journey. But up until that point, it's been people making departures, people coming on. So Edgar is an incredible, incredible, incredible person. Um, and he's so smart and so talented and just very willing to learn and, and hone his craft and nurture it in a way that I think is very akin to how Reggie and I like to work as well and the people in the village as well. Everybody is very in tune with what they are and what they're trying to do. And it's all about betterment and, and utilizing our team structure to not only continuously inspire yeah. each other to keep moving, but also bring new ideas and innovative ways to thinking to the forefront. Yeah. And I think that's what's super important. Every time I talk to Edgar, I learn something new. Every time I talk to Reggie, I learn something new. The, with the production team as well. You know, there's three main guys on our production team. It's Chris, there's Moy, and there's Tarek. And there's Tarek. And I went to school with Moy. Um, Moy and I went to Pepperdine together. I studied abroad for a year in Switzerland, and I lived with Moy. Moy lived so literally dope. around the hall from me. Mm. Um, so that's interesting how life works. I think that's also something interesting, like, Chris and Edgar, I think, went to school together. I think they both went to CSUN together as well. Okay. So it's it's cool to see that, like, the community that's being built, and I think that's one the one way that I would love to describe it, is a community of, of people who are collectively working and operating towards one thing, united under that one thing as well, and just uplifting each other to make that thing happen. Um, right. But, yeah, so that, that's how the village came to fruition. That's wow. beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Armand, you guys? Yeah, no. Um, so when we had Edgar on for our anniversary episode, shout out to Edgar once again, you know, he spoke about his path towards working with, with Reggie and just, you know, reaching out to him like, yo, I'm a fan. I like what you're doing. How can I help you out? And, you know, he said, that's how he connected with you. And you, you all just have this great working chemistry that happened like, you know, in, instantaneously. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what, what do you feel uh, since you knew Reggie, Reggie you know, earlier than Edgar did and he kind of came along, you know, what have you feel you've been able to bring to to Reggie's career? Like yeah. what type of influence, what type of impact, like what, what's kind of your role within the, the team, like beyond just being you know, the CEO of Village Music? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting question. I think the biggest thing that I would say I bring to the table is the, uh, the proactiveness and the understanding mm -hmm. of what needs to be done and the refusal to take no as an option. Mm. And I think that's something that we all share in the sense of this is what we wanna do, this is what we have, how can we make it happen? And I think that's always been my mindset. You know, So for instance, when I first started working with Reggie, 
the biggest thing phases had just come out. So we're in 2018, October of 2018, around Halloween, if I'm not mistaken. And to me, I'm, this is my first introduction into the industry. So the only thing at this point that I can rely on is my knowledge of how things traditionally work. So I know that when a project drops, you're supposed to perform this project. It cannot just yeah. be put the project out on streaming platforms. And that just is what it is. So at this time, I kind of came in on the tail end. I wasn't really involved on the promotion or the marketing side of anything. The, the cover, I like uh, the project was done. I helped put the first thing I did with phases was help them put out the um, or put together the listening party, um, the release party. And so from there, we're like, OK, well, what, what, what needs to be done here? Well, we want to have a this show needs to have a run, you know, the, or the project needs to have a run. We need to yeah. be doing something. So it's a, OK, we set a goal, one show a month. Then it's how do we make this goal happen and how do we think outside of the box to, to make it happen? So we ran into the situation where initially we were um, just trying to get on opening act tour support, you know, so we'd email somebody's manager, somebody's booking agent with our credentials, the EPK performance footage that we had on hand at the time, cover videos that Reggie had done. He did a cover series uh, that same summer um, and it went, it was great, you know. A lot of people, a lot of new eyes came came on board because of that, but it wasn't really yielding any results. So something happened where I was in class. So a lot of the work that I did also was like, I would be in class. And this is when I knew it was time for me to get out of this groove. I would be in class and the professor would be doing what the professor does teaching. And I would be on my computer looking up ways for us to get into these shows and sending emails. So I was on this company's website called Sonic Bins, Sonic Bids. I think that's what it's called. And they basically post all of these songs and like concert opportunities, performance opportunities. But the catch is you have to pay for these things. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. This is the digital age. I can find these people and reach out myself. So that's what I started doing. I literally would have like 18 tabs open of potential performance opportunities. And instead of going through them, I would figure out the name of it. Sometimes they'd list the name and I would say, okay, how can I get in contact with these people? And it was as simple as a three to five search, you know, maybe even spending 15 minutes trying to figure it out where they came from, get their contact information, boom, I'm sending a pitch off. I'm doing that all day long. Wow. And we started getting hitbacks. It went from one show a week, one show a month to, okay, now we have three shows lined up this month. Okay, boom, now we're doing a residency at the Hotel Cafe. Mm. You know what oh, I mean? Y'all the Hotel Cafe uh, residency? Yeah, for the oh. month of September. We did, we had a whole residency, residency every Tuesday night, you know? So it's like, I think that's my biggest asset is like, what do we need? How can we make it happen? And it's just, that's the foundation of the village. Honestly, it's everything that you see, everything that we've done, we have created. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it comes in as a, it's more than just a group of people working together. It's, we all have that mindset. Like we're not waiting for anybody to give this to us. How can we make this happen ourselves? So I think, Honestly, that would be the biggest thing that I feel like I bring to the table. I I play around with this idea of like adding this to my bio, but I think it might be a bit too pretentious. But I honestly would say it's a it's a specialization in making shit happen. No, I you talk your shit. Add talk it. your <laughs> shit. If, if, if that's what you do, let the streets know. Yeah, add it but, now, right now. You know, <laughs> word to the wise. But no, seriously, I think I think that's what it is. You know, I think it's a as long and and this is why it's very important to work with artists who understand what they're doing 
And I won't say understand what they're doing in the sense of like creating music or doing marketing or things outside of that scope. I mean, understand what their intent is. What is your vision? What it is? What is it that you're trying to do? Do you want to be an artist that just puts out music or do you want to be a streaming artist? Do you want to be a global superstar? Do you want to be a local phenom? Because these are things that allow the management, allow the team to do their job better. Because I know not to pitch you for something that's going to have you on a world tour if you want to be a local act. It doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? The artist has to lead the ship. And I've been very fortunate to be able to work with Reggie because he's very, very clear on what he wants to do and how he wants to get there. If you can share that, can you share that vision or is that too? The vision, well, I mean, well, the vision right now is we're working on his debut album Mm -hmm. and it's incredible. And that'll be the first singles comes out late April, early May. Uh, The album is going to make its appearance this fall, but that's the vision right now is to give you the most complete, comprehensive body of work from this young, phenomenal artist right now. That's the vision at the moment. Okay. I and like to, you know, make see, some she, in the process. See how she, she finessed that. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm giving you what's the immediate vision. No, nah, but at the end of the day, I think it's just everybody on the team is very, very much so like-minded. And you have to be. And I think it just works for us. And at the end of the day, it's a like-minded group of friends. And I think that keeps us united more than anything else because it's more than just you shoot the videos and that's all you do. You know, it's a, I live with you for a year and I know that you like cars and I know that you have a passion for filming. I know that you're great at photography. I know that you're great at Photoshop. Like fun fact about Moy, when we lived in Switzerland, they used, there was a club named Mad and every weekend I would be knocking on Moy's door because he would make these fake invitations that meant we didn't have to pay to get in. So he would copy one and he would just change the the algorithm on it you know the code that they put on they throw our name on there throw the date put the barcode and everything on there and we'd be good to go for the rest of the night you know so it's like things like that are fire we we lived our best life over there at 19 and 20 um but it's like you know things like that are endearing they bond you it makes me very aware of this person in the sense of this is a human you know we share meals with each other's families it's very much so based in love as much as it is based in music very nice i have a quick question for you so i think as independent artists it's as an artist who does a lot myself like when it comes to running my entire process of you know music aside like creating the music writing the music engineering myself all that then going into like you know uh, treating my own do my own video treatments running my own you know casting my videos styling all the things doing everything for artists who do everything um and i think oftentimes too artists want teams too early and i think they don't understand really what they need which i think is a great point for you saying like who do you want to be as an artist like what do you want to do you know do you want to be that you know you want to be a household name do you want to be like you said i love the the term local phenom that's like amazing because i can think of so many just immediately when you said that i just you know worked to so many in west coast of local phenoms that i can remember but um how do you suggest artists go about and it seems to happen very naturally you know for reggie to think i'm thinking from reggie's perspective to have a team like you all you know around him what do you say to artists looking for a team who artists who are ready for a team or ready for some help if you will how do you suggest they go about finding those people 
Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that because I think this is a conversation that me and Reggie have all the time. Um, it's not so much as the team finding you uh, as it is you finding yourself. So I think... Mm. <laughs> I th Whoa. I think it's focus on your music. Focus on your sonic identity. Focus on your branding. And then when the person stumbles across your page who manages XYZ, who films XYZ, they could say, yo, that was dope. Let me help you. Same situation with Edgar. Do you know, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like everything was kind of there already. And, and, and not to say that it needs to be well-developed or well-conceptualized or well-produced, but there has to be a product there. There has to be something that is sparking some type of inspiration in somebody else. So I don't think you should go about looking for anybody to join your team. Yeah. I think you continue to make the best art that you can make because somebody is waiting to see it and somebody is waiting to say, yo, this is my opportunity to serve the way I want to serve. You know, it's That's my opportunity great. to That's nurture. great advice, yeah. So all the artists listening there that you think you need a manager, you think you need a publicist and a personal assistant and all that. Yeah, you don't need get, that. Get your sound right. Make sure you're singing on the song. Make sure yes, Music yeah. first. If it doesn't yeah. sound good, if it doesn't, if it's not in a place where you can play it and somebody's going to be like, it was hot, let me send it to my friend who does yada yada, or just right. my homegirl in general. It's, you know, it's it's a move. It's a move point. That's a great point. That is a great, great point. Um, What was I going to say? How do you, I think, what are, you know, I was reading a little bit, uh, you had an interview with Voyage LA that I really enjoyed, and you were talking mm -hmm. about the village and how the village came to be. How do you go about, I would say, nurturing the village or watering the village? Because I, I believe, you know, from what I could gather from the interview, you want it to be more than just, you know, just your team and just the installation of that team. That You want it to be sort of like a collective and yeah. in a broader collective of people sharing resources in creative ways. How do you go about putting the effort towards watering the village? It's interesting. I think that's something that I've been more so focused with this year. I think I spent a lot of time last year just getting us to be a player, you know, getting people to recognize that this is something that we're doing. And now it's kind of shifted into an internal perspective. I also spent a lot of time last year focusing on the social impact of things and the external markers and goals that I wanted to hit in, in the short term and the long term. You know, for instance, saying, okay, this is gonna be bad boy level or this is gonna be young money level and just really focusing yeah. on that. But it, I realized, a couple months ago that it wasn't necessarily a internal focus on how to achieve that within our framework, if that makes sense, you know, like, mm -hmm. how do I establish the community that needs to be built to be able to reach those bounds, you know, and mm -hmm. it, and even speaking personally with my own personal development, it shifted from a, okay, I want to be this person who's on this list and who's worked with that person and that person, it shifted into how can I just be the mm -hmm. best at what I'm trying to do? And yeah. for nurturing the village, it's how can we, how can we create this closeness or this community internally and also organically spread that with others, you know? And I think you do a lot of that through collaboration. You know, you collaborate with other organiz organizations doing the same thing as you, you know? And you also create that structure where everyone feels safe in that space. I've been reading a lot of books recently and, and most notably, um, I read Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, who's like quickly turned into one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. um, and 
the protagonist in that story is tasked with creating a, a community that kind of welcomes this new way of being because they're in an apocalyptic society. Um, and I learned a lot about what it means to foster community and, and love and, and closeness in, in the space that you're building. So I think for me, in terms of nurturing the village, it's now about nurturing the people who compose the village while also being very intentional with the moves that we make and how we continue to expand. So we've kind of got to the space where we have the music group leg of things. And now it's a, okay, well, we have this desire to also be of service to independent artists across the board. So we're working on this system called Your City with Love, which is named by Edgar and, and very much so conceptualized by him as well. Um, and that's a focus that says, okay, how can we serve this independent artist community while also being true and intrinsic to what we're trying to do? And it's uh, very much so a creative agency on the sense of it's a, you know, we're working and we're doing consultations. We all help with the rollout. We're working with an artist named Saki based out of Virginia and he's getting ready to put out his debut EP. It's fire. Um, so on that respect, you know, working with other artists, one of them based out of New York called Iabo, um, and just kind of helping, being a being an ear, being an ally to to the artist community in whatever fashion that presents itself. And then it also extends into to visual production, you know, and content yeah. creation and branding. So it's very much so an extension of what we do, but also a nourishment of that. And then in the same space, it's okay. Well, how can we how can we work with other entities who are also very much like minded? and create these moments, you know, that are impactful culturally, that bring together a lot of different artists that we love to see, but also speak to something that's higher than the music, you know? And for me, something that I've been super impassioned about is just the Black community these days, because we're in this space where if we're not unified, we're going to be lost in the, the chaos of what's happening. So keeping that in my mindset of just like, I think one thing that I want to try to do is unify people in this space the best mm -hmm. that we can, whether it be through music or whether it be through an event, you know? Wow. That's powerful. Jeez, I, I didn't know I was getting a word today. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was a philosophy major, so it's very easy for me to start to get deep. So please. I, no, I'm- Don't apologize. Why, before you was like, did you have something to say? I was like, no, I'm just literally <laughs> enjoying myself. <laughs> wow, I love that. I really love that. Um, So I know, I, I'm sure I speak for all of us, uh, the three of us being creators. Creators are very ambitious. You know, we kind of conquer one thing and we're looking for the next mountain to climb. So speaking for myself, you know, I've been a journalist for almost six years now, which is still crazy to say. But a couple of years ago, I kind of dabbled into artist management myself, but I got a, a little in over my head. I, at one point, I was working with five different artists and I had a relationship with them and I was genuinely invested in their music. But I realized that on top of aspiring to be an A&R on top of trying to do some PR type stuff, it was just a lot. And you know, you kind of have to dial back and really find your lane, find what you're good at and be more efficient with your time. Um, and so, you know, with you being a CEO, being an artist manager, you know, you spoke earlier about how you kind of had some experience learning about A&R stuff. What other things would you like to do within music? And have you run into any situations where you tried something and you were like, mm, this isn't really aligned with my mission. So I gotta, I gotta step back. Man, I think I'm excited. I feel like I'm just getting my feet wet in music, honestly. And I wouldn't even say it's just music. I think it's entertainment in general. I want to be able to like navigate in every space possible in entertainment, whether it be fashion, whether it be movies, whether it be television, whether it be music. Like I think music is my love. 
you know, it's my first love. It's what makes me happy. It's what it's where I can always come back to, to, to self with, you know, especially with gospel music. I think gospel music is music that makes me feel all right, rein it in, mm-hmm. you're here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of me personally, I, I, I would love to begin to just tap into all spectrums of entertainment and, and use myself as an extension of the village, you know? So wherever I'm moving into these spaces, the village is also moving into these spaces as well. And I think that's kind of the idea with Queer City with Love is like, okay, this is the first step into continuing to diversify what we're trying to do here in, in, in kind of pushing our, our narrative and our way of thinking into this space. You know, it's it's a shift in in priorities and what you think you need to make things happen. But aside from that, yeah, I just would love to get into all types of things. Um, but in the music space, I I wouldn't necessarily say I've tried something that I think I didn't I didn't like or I wanted to pivot from. I think it's all just everything's a learning experience. So you can take take what you will from everything. So Everything's applicable to everything's applicable to everything. Mm. There it is. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta have more conversations. I love this. Bars. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Megan Taylor Jordan here. Dropping the fact. Thank you so much for your time, for everything you shared with us. I hope aspiring artists, managers, CEOs, artists got something out of this. Find yourself, find what you, you want to do first and have someone come in to fill the gaps. Your team is not going to create the things for you. You got to already have the vision yourself. And yeah, yeah, I got to align and be like-minded. And it sounds like the chemistry over there at Village Music Group is is infectious and you know everyone's doing their thing. So love to hear it. Looking forward to the upcoming project, the fall. We got a little Stay Busy exclusive for y'all, Reggie dropping. So stay busy, stay ready for that. We hype, we hype. Um, we want to jump into our bulletin board and shout out some women-owned businesses. Before I get into ours, Megan, do you have any women-owned businesses that you would want to shout out? I do. I do. One specifically. Her name is Olivia Robinson, and she owns a company called Black Dollar LLC, which is basically... Do you do you know him? I saw this on Twitter. The the one that you can... You, it's like an app you search to find Black-owned businesses, Yes. Correct? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Mm. 23, making things happen. She's also a pep alum. Um, but yes, that's that's what I would like to promote at Black Dollar LLC across all social media platforms and reallocate your money, you know, reallocate your wealth, make us as, as profitable as these big corporations. That goes back to what we were talking about um, with uh, Versus, you know, put the money, keep the money in the community and let's see mm-hmm. how we grow. Let's see how we rise. So yes, Black Dollar LLC, support that, support Olivia, follow her as well on social media. Uh, I think her Instagram is it's yo curl I T S Y O C U R L. Um, tap in with her. She's a great individual. But yes, that's that's my plug of the day. Love that. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and we got a submission, Clean Relations. This is owned by Sherelle Jeffrey. Uh, Clean Agency Service, Services educates clients on a deeper understanding of their digital fan base through social campaigns, analytical reporting, and audience targeting to convert into loyal consumers to elevate careers and businesses. Sounds right up our alley. Make sure y'all tap in with Clean Relations. Um, clean and- with a Q. 
clean with the Q, Q L E E N. We will have the social media and, and the proper name and spelling for y'all on our promotion throughout the week. So make sure y'all tap in with that support all women owned businesses that we've shouted out previously. And that will be to come. Uh, Megan Taylor, Jordan, we want to thank you one more time for joining us. On the pod. Yeah. Bringing your expertise, the hot takes, great chat segment. I, I got to say again, we, we really got into a lot that with that really chat segment. Really yeah, good. so so thank you so much for being open, for being insightful, and much success to you and the rest of the team. We can't wait to see what y'all accomplish. Um, but yeah, it's the boy Armand. Yeah, know me, Nick here, our incredible guest Kieran in the background. We want y'all to stay safe, stay humble, protect our queens, and stay busy. Baby girl, baby girl, how you feeling? I've been out in the world, staying busy Taking time, getting right if you miss me girl, yeah. I've been out yeah, in the yeah. world, staying yeah, busy yeah. Monday's 9 a.m. Monday's 9 a.m. Party with the gang Every week, tell a 